everybody. Happy New Year and welcome to another episode of Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check out all the stuff we're doing and reviewing at blisterreview.com. We are back at it today talking about some of the new gear we've been testing. So here is the conversation we just recorded right after we got off the mountain with Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa at Blister headquarters at Elevation up at Mount Crested Butte. So today we're talking about the Rosignol Black Ops, a ski that apparently doesn't exist, the Black Crow's Corvus, the Parlor Cardinal 90, and a new very interesting ski from a new indie ski company that you may not have heard of yet. They're called Argent. And you really should start planning your trip to come see us at Elevation because our new Blister showroom is already getting filled up with a whole lot of very cool gear. So come and check it out. Come hang out with us. All right, let's go ahead now and get to this conversation. Well, here we are back at our headquarters at Elevation and we just got off the mountain and thought it would be good to talk about a couple skis that we've been on. So I'm here once again with Sam Shaheen and Luke Kappa. We're going to go today big company to small company. We're going to talk about four skis and then just two pieces of outerwear that our outerwear gurus here uh, have been liking in particular. So let's go ahead and start about ski. We've talked a little bit about it. You can read a bit about this ski on the website now. It is the ski that does not exist the Rosignol Black Ops. Luke, you want to kick this off? Sure. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a odd ski by today's standards. It's really big, really centered mounted, and really, really heavy. But as you heard on the last podcast we did, uh, we were very, very excited to get on it. So I took it out in less than ideal conditions. It was just basically a groomer day. But the first thing that stuck out is it carves really well for a 118 underfoot ski. Um, I guess that's the result of no taper and a lot of really camber action. heavy, yeah, of camber, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. I mean, you just kind of like sit in the middle of the ski, lean it over, and it just like blows through everything. Um, it's very damp, um, like one of the damper skis I've been on recently. Um, and then got in some fresh snow with you uh, a couple weeks ago. And yeah, I mean, it's a strong, big ski and it feels like it. And we're supposed to get some fresh snow actually in like a couple days. So hopefully getting out in the proper conditions. But so far, it's it just seems like a really big, heavy, chargy ski that is designed to trick on. It's definitely not light in the air. Um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. You take some effort to move it around, but um, it's also like weirdly loose, but also can hold an edge really well. Yeah. Like the first thing I, I say in my, in my notes is it's loose sharp. It's like, <laughs> huh. it's got a lot of camber, a lot of effective edge. There's like very little taper, but it's crazy easy to kind of throw sideways. It feels real loose, but then the edges, the tune is real sharp on our pair. Like it has great edge hold and it is pretty damp, so it can hold an edge on bad snow. I mean, I also took it out in a day that wasn't great. Um, but yeah, the loose sharp is, 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 uh, it's like tight loose. It's kind of like <laughs> yeah. tight loose, exactly. Okay. But, uh, and, and you, Luke, you kept saying, um, that the ski feels, feels strong. And I, I definitely agree with that, but it's not strong. It didn't feel, I should say strong to me in the sense, like 
I felt like I couldn't make mistakes because he wasn't forgiving, but it just felt like I needed to be strong yeah, to you, ski it. There's just a lot of weight to move yeah. around. Like I was like, man, I need to go do squats. This yeah. ski is just a lot. Yeah. yeah. That sounds a little bit like the Folsom Hammer. I can see that. Right? It's not hard to ski, but it does require input. Like, input. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be an interesting comparison. What's the tail slay like on that hammer? It's pretty big. big. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What are the current thoughts on the Black Ops versus the prior CBC? I feel like the CBC will be a bit looser because it's a lot more Mm -hmm. tapered. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a really interesting comparison and should be getting on both of them pretty soon to compare. Yeah, I, I agree, and we, we haven't gotten either ski in the ideal conditions yet, mm-hmm. too, so I think that, that's important to note, but um, I like kind of instantly click with that CBC. It just felt it felt so good to me, and the Black Ops was a little bit, little bit just, it's because it, it is so heavy. It's, it's, it's more of an outlier as far as skis that we, that, yeah. That we see, but, um, but yeah, otherwise, I think I agree totally with what you said, Luke. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I hate even raising this since we tend to be pro weight around here, but uh, why do you think Rosie went so heavy with this? I honestly have no idea. Um, like, it's a trick ski. It's a backcountry trick ski too. Like, well, they're I mean, supposed to be skiing perfect pow. Yeah, but it's 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 Parker White and Chris Logan ski, and those guys just mock unbelievably yeah. fast. You know, like, and they're strong. They're not little dudes. So like. The ski kind of makes sense to me in that sense as like the Chris Logan slash Parker White pro model, you know, and it kind of I kind of felt skiing in that similar style was kind of what the ski wanted to do more than, you know, like tool around at slow speeds. It wants to just like jump off crap and like go fast and go straight. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I'm, I've just been thinking the whole time, like how strong those guys have to be to whip that thing in the dubs. It is like, so <laughs> impressive. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. If I was impressed before I got on the ski, I'm even more impressed after I got yeah. on the ski. And now there's also a 176, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, the Tatum's riding. Yeah, I think, I mean, I probably wouldn't even mind skiing that thing. Same. It'd be fun. Same. Huh. Yeah. Well, we'll stay tuned for more. Maybe I'll even get on it someday. If probably, we let you. Probably don't, not. don't hold your breath. Probably <laughs> not at minus two, though. Yeah. Okay, let's go from minus two to like minus 10. And talk about a ski that um, there's been a lot of interest in, the Black Crow's Corvus. Really good looking ski. Let's let's start very superficially. And I think I, I just love I love the shape of that tip and tail. Like that those things make me happy. It's really nicely finished. And then I think we're all pretty in on the black with Anything pink and with white. Pink on yeah. board with. We're a pro pro pink crew. We all need more pink in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Luke, did you get on it first? Yeah, 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 I got on it first. And I didn't, like, first off, I didn't think I was going to like it, and I didn't click with it on the first run like you do, or like everyone does on a certain number of skis. But after, like, maybe three runs, I was having way more fun than I figured I would. It is... The funny thing is it's technically reverse camber, but it's mostly just flat, so it doesn't feel like swimmy like when you're running bases flat as much as like a a moment meridian or a Folsom primary um but you do get a pretty decent amount of looseness especially in moguls like i like it a lot in moguls actually which i was surprised by especially because it has almost no it has basically no tail taper 
very little tip taper. Um, but then once you lay it over on edge, it was confidence inspiring and it feels pretty smooth, especially like it's not that heavy. I think it skis heavier than it is. It's our pair averaged around um, 20, 80 grams. Um, and yeah, it was really fun at, in, at the beginning of the morning when there was good corduroy and at the end of the day when it was all chopped up and fairly soft. Um, but all in all, I was just been pleasantly surprised by how much I like that ski. I'd agree with everything you just said. My very first run was down a very firm international. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm quickly learning that like, if we're skiing international like very fast and it's very firm, there are select skis that I'm like very okay. <laughs> like like I, we're really gonna carve hard on this. And so I, I honestly was mostly just like, God damn it. Like here we are on this fully reverse 108 millimeter wide ski. And I think I was complaining about it to you after that run. And I'm like, this is just dumb. But I mean, that is a pitched out run. I mean, it's a roll, like there's a lot of rolling sections to that and you can get mobbing. But I will have to say with more runs on the Corvus, my experience was similar. What's it straight tape, do you know? I mean, it, it's listed as like a 188. Yeah, I think it's like somewhere around 187. You can chill out in moguls. I mean, it's you don't wanna just chill out on the tail, but you can just stand dead center into the middle of that thing and it really works at low speeds, which I guess I only say that with some amount of surprise given that it's a 108 millimeter wide ski that we're kind of putting in that charger or new charger class. So from that point of view, we can say, because we've skied a lot of bumps on it, you you know, the length is the length. So if you're not okay with a ski that long in moguls, well, this might not be all that different, but it's an easy ski to stand in the middle of. It works at low speeds. And I think part of this, maybe we can give credit to the factory tune it came with. It feels beautiful putting up on edge, like really, really nice. It initiates turns well. It will carve hard. It will pivot easily and smoothly in trees. Um, all of those behavior are just smooth, predictable, no weird kind of feedback from the ski. And I think I would agree with you that it is skiing a bit heavier than I would have anticipated. Um, the big question mark for me is we haven't yet really had the, the, the terrain open up here to really get like pushing that ski hard in more of a big mountain environment. And that's really the biggest question I have. Um, it, what's the top end of that thing gonna feel like when like just really driving and pushing it hard? But frankly, if, if that's, if you don't, if you in the past haven't needed like maximum stability in that regard, but want a directional little bit of a chargier ski, I don't, I don't know right now what I have to like call people off of or, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that stuck out, you mentioned it was the predictability of it. Like today was a mix of soft groomers that were edgeable and super fun to carve and then some like scraped off patches. And even after switching to traditionally cambered skis, the Corvus, like it, it's not the best in terms of edge hold, obviously it's pretty wide and reverse camber, but you can feather turns really nicely on it. Um, and you can go straight to like a full slash and pivot and run bases flat. And I really liked that, especially when in 
conditions like today where you're not sure what you're going to run into. It's not going to just hook up on you or just slide out. Um, so I really liked it in that regard. So, I mean, I, I haven't skied it, but it seems you guys are kind of describing it almost on the edge between what we would call like an all-mountain charger and an all-mountain, like more for more stable rather, for talking like buyer's guide categories. I mean, is it, is it clear to you guys which one it, it comes out in right Not now? Not yet. If we had to classify today, I would be putting it in all-mountain more stable. Yeah, just because I think it's so easy at slow speeds. Like, yeah or slow manageable yeah like the tail is stiff yeah so it's not going to make a more forgiving because of that tail and it's not it's not a brutal tail by any means but like it the tail wouldn't fall into the like more forgiving mm -hmm. but that that's my big question and i think frankly in soft snow not deep snow yeah not deep snow but soft snow i bet that thing handles just fine in kind of a big mountain setting but if it's starting to be like, but the question is like, is it a variable charger? I'm, I'm not sure. And if I had to wager a lot, I'd say no, not compared to the entire class of specifically heavier variable chargers. And uh, like the tip rocker or the lack of tips play did worry me actually when I'm not, I'm not typically one to worry about that, but like, if I was trying to charge through deep chop, it wouldn't be my first choice, at least as of right now. Uh huh. Interesting. I don't care about a lack of tip splay. I just like the end of the tip <laughs> to actually turn up. That is what I like. I'm Are clear. we about to go off on a tangent? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I've already on. done that several times before. Moving on, moving on. Okay, parlor. We have been getting some time on the Cardinal 90. We've skied and reviewed their Cardinal 100 in two different lengths. I think it was the 178 and the 185. And then we've been on the, Car the Parlor Mountain J, which is their 115 millimeter wide ski. So this is the skinniest Parlor we've been on. And it frankly was not what I was expecting. So Sam, you were skiing at first, I was skiing at second, so I'll let you start. Sure. Um, yeah, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me, you know, I um, a lot of skis in the sort of 90 millimeter waist class are pretty strong, demanding. They feel like peace skis. They want to be put on edge. They are like precise and all that. And the, the Cardinal 90 just kind of feels easy. It doesn't have like a real demanding flex pattern. It's it, The length is real manageable. It, it doesn't want to go a million miles an hour. It kind of likes you to just kind of like sit in the middle and chill on it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't want to say it's it's the weakest parlor I've been on, It, but it, it is the least strong. It is the least demanding for sure. And so again, my first run on it today was international. The, the long kind of steep pitched groomer that we were just talking about and it, it is not a GS ski. Like it did not feel comfortable and, and composed at, again, it's very high speeds coming off some very steep pitches, but that's just not what that ski wanted to do. And by the end of the day, when we were back skiing international, I was just chilling out and would kind of just chill on the steep pitches. And as things flattened out a bit, that's where I was, you know, really starting to lay it over more and carve and, and I liked it. Um, I liked it 
well enough um, carving on those kind of mellower, mellower pitches. But where where I really liked this ski actually, uh, and again I wasn't expecting this, was uh, in moguls. Um, we skied a bunch of bumps today, and they're just. There was really nothing about the way that ski handled in moguls that I disliked. It's a fairly narrow ski. It's a fairly short ski, but there was no weird behavior coming out of the shovels. If I was stuffing it into moguls, you know, or, or jamming into troughs, it, it really worked quite well. Um, and I, I actually had a really good time um, all day on that ski and bumps. And, and just surprisingly, for me personally, I liked it more in moguls than I did on Piste. Yeah, and, and I, I had this exact same takeaway. I think on the first lap with Luke, that's what I said at the bottom of the lift. I was like, hey, it was more fun in bumps than it was on the groomers, and that surprises me. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that, that, I would, that I would say is that if you're the kind of skier who really likes to go fast in bumps, like really fast. Like really fast. Yep. Uh, the, it's not going to be enough ski. Mm-hmm. Like there, it is definitely possible to wash out that tail. Um, but for like 90% of people out there, you're just like, it's predictable. It's lightweight. It's easy. It's good. It's a good bump ski. And, and honestly, like this is an interesting question. When you say 90% of people, just from my time, you know, riding chairlifts, watching people ski bumps around the mountain, you know, so a very subjective sample I'd put the number at more like 99%. Of yeah, so I said 90 because I'm not I'm, I'm not sure how blister listenership on this podcast is skewed towards better skiers. Um, perhaps it is, perhaps it isn't. But yeah, of just like people you see on the mountain, 99 probably. I think that's fair. Uh huh. And frankly, what I from many of the comments again, this is a, you know, um, this is hardly like a, some scientific data set or something. But I'd say many of the rarely are we getting comments coming in where people are like i really need a ski that's going to hold up to like skiing moguls at wild speeds it's usually the opposite it's like you know like i don't know if it if it's a if it's not a huge demanding ski and bumps like that's kind of a plus one or like i'd love a ski that did make bump skiing easier and i actually think this ski would go in that class i don't know those of you listening you know, if you have frequently thought like I never get a ski that has a strong enough tail for me to mob through moguls, you know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we spent too much time on this. Yeah, you know, you know who you are if you need more ski. <laughs> yeah. So just just to wrap that, I actually I think very few people are going to be like I want more tail. So anyway, interesting. Uh, speaking of interesting, we're going to talk about uh, just quickly here. Um, uh, a ski that arrived recently um, at Blister headquarters uh, from a small company that you may not have heard of yet called Argent Skis. We unboxed this and we kind of did what we normally do, which is like we oohed and awed and re- asked fondled. questions and looked at fondled. flex pattern. <laughs> yeah, fondled. Thanks, Luke. Um, Luke did what he usually does. Yeah, Luke, yeah. But, uh, Anyway, Luke, why don't you talk a little bit about this ski? Yeah, so it's 107 underfoot, um, designed to be like a big mountain charger. Um, we have it in the, it's labeled as a 184 length, um, measures about 182, and it comes in at a pretty 
well, what we like to say, nice weight of 2250 um, for, yeah, the 184, which is pretty heavy. And the other thing is it is very stiff, like through and through. It reminds me a lot of the CBC's flex pattern. Yeah, but as we've said before, stiff and heavy can be a fun combination. Um, and it's got an interesting shape, uh, decent, oh, actually a lot of tip taper, and then a pretty non-tapered tail with just a twin tail, not much tail rocker, pretty moderate, I'd say, tip rocker. Um, and then the real surprise came when we measured the mount point, which yeah. on our pair comes out to minus 1.5 centimeters. So we're gonna confirm with Argent that that is correct. But if it is correct, this ski would not really be like anything we've skied before. Yeah, it's um, it's the most progressive mount point of almost all the skis that we've seen. Like ever tested. I mean, the CBC was, that was a minus two, right? No, CBC, I think was- it's like 0.8 minus 0.8. Yeah, yeah. It's like almost, there's a few park skis that come out like yeah, dead center yeah, for yeah. sure. But then, the, yeah, the odd thing here is that it has such a directional shape and yeah. rocker profile. It's, I mean, effectively, it's kind of like imaginable Zarg Cochise with a minus 1.5 mount point. Mm -hmm. And a twin tail and a bit more tip taper. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. So Argent Skis, they're based out of Park City, Utah. We'll be showing off some shots of this and, of course, doing our normal thing with first looks and all. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that this has been an interesting... Uh, interesting time where we were all sort of looking and trying to figure this out and then once we put the tape measure to get the mount point it was like wait what <laughs> what okay those are our four skis quickly let's talk um since we have our outerwear gurus here i'm going to ask each of you to talk about one piece of apparel that you've just been using and that you are particularly high on right now so sam why don't you go first yep um, I've been able to get a bunch more time on this fly low baker bib, and I'm really into it. Um, it's definitely a heavyweight, heavy-duty, three-layer bib pant, and it's aimed at, at the resort skier who might do some side country or tour occasionally. Um, but I think the, like, the, the biggest praise I can kind of say is I haven't found anything on it that annoys me yet, which almost it's every rare. <laughs> so rare everything and sometimes it's instant like you unbox and you're like oh that is gonna annoy the crap out of me but this thing i'm kind of like i got nothing huh i'm in i'm into it huh yeah yeah those things are burly they're burly i've seen a few pairs that i can just identify by the knee reinforcements because it's basically like a backpack material on your knees yeah no it's it's burly and it's it's the kind of outerwear that i think most resort skiers should buy especially if you're going to pop for a lot of money on a pair of pants like it's so easy to go oh i want to buy 600 gore pro pants and like that gore pro is not going to hold up to ski edges and crap like like this baker bib well and baker bib i think the retail is 400 and uh you're gonna get at least if i had to guess and i haven't done this yet but a lot of seasons out of it yeah so are you guys both bibs guys i'm a huge bibs guy it's, otherwise you just get too much stuff in your waist and it's uncomfortable it depends. I don't like like full waterproof material all the way up. Like most bibs, I think these days are using like a just a stretch woven spandexy kind of material up top, which is fine as long as it fits well and the pockets are laid out correctly. Um, I don't really mind. And I I should say it's not that I'm a bibs person. I'm just a suspenders person. So whether that comes with bibs or not. You like suspenders? Oh yeah. Oh. 
Because I hate wearing belts hair. skiing. You're, you're currently wearing them. I know, but I wouldn't choose to if I was buying something. I don't know. I, I don't like how they work with backpacks. It depends on how minimal And it they depends are. where the clips end up yeah. on this particular. Th- yeah. There are nuances to suspenders. Yeah. But you yeah. like the suspenders on the Baker bib. I do like the suspenders on the Baker bib. Yeah, right. the, the Baker bib comes up pretty high in the front. And then there's like a big mesh panel on the back. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be real good for deep days and stuff like that. Um, whereas other bibs are, you know, they're all they're all a bit different. But is Philo making basically that exact pant in a non bib? Is that still the chemical? Good question. I don't know. Because it sounds like I, they should yeah, make I that. I want the baker in a non bib in a non bib. <laughs> Dan Abrams, if listening. <laughs> if you're listening. New request. Because <laughs> I do. I like the sound of all that. I like a burlier pant that you're not going to just destroy. Um, I don't care if it's the most, bre- if the pants are the most breathable thing in the world. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Baker bibs. Sam's like approved. Them. And next gear 30, I have another piece of gear I'm going to talk about. It's jacket I've been wearing, but okay. going to give next a few more time. days than that. Good teaser. <laughs> what you got, Luke? Uh, so we recently got the, well, Backstory, if you haven't seen our review already, we really, really like the Patagonia Micropuff. Um, it's the first synthetic insulated jacket that feels as warm as the equivalent down jacket, which is crazy. Um, but it's still a pretty niche piece. It is super light, super thin face fabric, not something you really want to wear on the outside if you're like skiing through trees or climbing. Um, and it's also not waterproof. Uh, it's just got a little bit of a DWR on the outside. Um, so very much a mid-layer. But we recently got the Micropuff Storm, which is essentially the Micropuff. And then Patagonia put an extremely light and thin uh, waterproof fabric over it. And it's also a much different fit. But basically, it's a super light, insulated, waterproof jacket that they're like they're kind of marketing it as a belay jacket or just an emergency shell i'm super high on it as a touring piece because i mean everyone's kit differs but what i like to do is tour up in a base layer usually and then throw on a shell for the down but then you also want to stay warm during transitions so do you put a mid layer on is it going over or under the shell and so for me having one piece that fills both those roles and is absurdly light is pretty awesome and i've been skiing in the resort too and it is very warm like too warm most of the time (laughs) but like yeah for just skiing downhill quickly in the backcountry or during a transition it's awesome you don't have to worry about getting it wet not only because the fabric's waterproof but the insulation is synthetic um all in all super cool piece and we'll be posting the review very soon cool We're also getting very close to unveiling the Blister showroom. We're sitting here looking at some cool ski racks with some very cool skis on them that actually we're not allowed to talk talk about about yet. Um, We want to. We'd we'd love to. (laughs) We're excited about these, and uh, but this is going to be a very cool space. So by next Friday, we will be uh, unveiling some photos and the rest and you guys i'm kind of not kidding i think i said it before like if you're actually listening to a podcast called gear 30 you are probably going to want to come make the pilgrimage to crested butte 
uh, to check this out. Those um, demographics overlap a lot, for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, that's it for now. We are going to get going, but thanks Luke and Sam for talking about this stuff. We have a very cool next episode. It is not going to be featuring Luke and Sam. We'll, we'll try to get them on again some other time, but uh, very excited about the next Gear 30, so um, stay tuned for that. Happy skiing, everybody, and talk to you all later. Cool. Excellent. That's it for this edition of Gear 30. Thanks to Sam and Luke for the conversation. Thanks to Luke Alley for producing this episode. And we will talk to you again very soon. Take care, everybody.